What's up, guys? Thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast. I appreciate you guys tuning in to hear me speak some nonsense. I want to take this time real quick to tell you about some of the things I have going on this month. My YouTube channel is always available for this podcast if you'd rather watch it, so go check that out. Also, my Instagram page has been blowing up, and I have been answering a lot of your guys' questions about the podcast and about your life and soccer in general. So if you have any questions, please feel free to DM me on my Instagram page. Also, Lastly, ebooks and courses are coming out this month, so make sure you stay tuned to that. Thank you guys again for joining me on the podcast and enjoy this episode. What's up, everyone? Thank you guys for coming back here on the podcast. Real quick, if you don't mind, leave a review, like, subscribe, and of course, share with a friend and a teammate. We want to hop into it quickly. Um, I'm with Brittany Gibbs, a good friend of mine from college. Uh, she was on the um, track and field team. Um, and now she is a mental performance consultant. Uh, we've had her on, um, uh, a webinar with my team replay members, um, absolutely big time. And that will be going up on YouTube this week. Um, so we're having her back on the podcast I and mean, I'm going to, I'm going to go a little bit deeper and ask her a couple more questions, um, about the mental side of the game. Um, Britt, is there any, um, actually just give us a story, just give us your story, give us your general story and I'll probably stop you in between there and uh, ask you a few questions. Okay, for sure, no problem. Um, as Angie mentioned, yes, my name is Brittany and I was a track and field athlete at Southern Illinois University Edwardsville. And during my time there, you know, I did have my fair share of mental struggles with just the demands of competing and trying to be the best and fitting in uh, with everyone around me. So because of that, I decided to get my master's in sports psychology and just use my experiences and, of course, my degree to help other athletes that may be struggling and just don't really know what to do or where to go or how to approach the given situation. Um, which is Brent, why where, I where, Brent, Sorry, where are you from? Oh, I am from Toronto, Canada. Great. Yes. Great. The best country um, in the world. <laughs> Um, but, uh, real quick. So, so we're already on our first point because I was going to ask you about the, um, the difference between a fixed and a growth mindset. And what you just said is you had a problem. You me mentally struggled a little bit mm -hmm. and you said, you know what? I have a problem. I want to, instead of shy away from the problem, I'm going to learn about it and then help more people with it. Where did that type of mindset come from? For me, I think that mindset just came because of the resources that I had at school available to me. Um, and I definitely think that makes a difference. So as a freshman going in, our coaches did tell us we had a sports psychologist on campus. Um, this is where you can go if you need assistance. And because we had that open conversation from the beginning, it never was an embarrassment, let's just say, you know, if I wanted to seek that help. And I think that's that's one of the main things that can help athletes, you know, with that fix and growth mindset is just having yeah. the availability of it there. Right. 100%. I, I mean, we, we had a sports psychologist as well. And I think that's important. And the, the key word that you used there was open. Right. And so I think yeah. the biggest thing is that for some reason, I don't know why, cause I've never been the type of guy who's been sort of like, I mean, I am closed off, but I've never been shy of saying, Hey, I have a problem. And I understand that's, that's not the case for everyone, but I don't know where this where this idea comes that you know there's people like that don't that don't care about you or whatever. And it was good for us to have uh, a sports psychologist who obviously cared about us, and but also coaches that said, you know, what we understand, we we know that the there's a psychological aspect to this whole game, so we want to make sure that in order for us to play well, whether whatever sport that is, for us to play well our athletes need to be mentally in the game, right? Mentally in the game, not just on the field or on the track, but also off the field and off the track. And so I think, um, you know, for some reason, SAE had really good, really good coaches at the time and they, they addressed that early. Um, yeah. For you, did, have you always um, had that, I had that mentality that you were okay asking for help or was it just because the coach initiated it? It definitely was because the coach initiated. I'm definitely one of the people that would rather just solve things on my own. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but when things did become getting like overbearing, I knew I probably should seek out. So at least I could talk to someone or figure out if there was something else that I can do that I wasn't already um, and just right. continue to like grow in that environment. Right. 100%. I mean, um, 
I'm, I'm the exact same way. I completely agree. Like I try to figure things out on my own and funny enough, but like I try to figure it out on my own <clears throat> and if it doesn't work out, then I'm just done. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Now, now I ask for help, but before definitely in college, 100% in college, cause that was probably the hardest time in my life as well. So I, 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 it's, it's weird hearing you, hearing you say this because it also the people that I know, um, at SAE and at other colleges, had very like had difficulties in college right mentally and so do you do you know like can you pinpoint why that is that a lot of people have mental struggles in college or you know can you pinpoint that um i can't say specifically like what the root is but i can say that i think it honestly is just the added pressure. Like, of course, high school, yeah. you probably go from being one of the top athletes in your class, you know, around yeah. you in that area. And then you come to university and you expect to have that same type of appreciation or level when that's not the case. You are literally competing with the best of the best all over the world for that matter. Um, yeah. And some people just can't handle that. You know, they want to be the best. That's all they know. So adapting to that new environment, that's when all the mental struggles come in and they start to second guess their abilities, you know, their confidence decreases um, and everything just kind of might be like intimidating for them. Yeah. And just hopping into the practical tips now Um, for an athlete, whether it's college, whether it's, you know, in soccer, um, you know, we have multiple teams. And so if you're on the second team and you make it to the first team, talk about like, how to deal with that when you do when you do hit that wall where it's like oh i was the man or i was the girl uh at my last team and everyone worshiped me and now i'm the one of the worst players or in the middle and i'm struggling because for me personally i wasn't playing my junior senior year new coach came in and he challenged me mentally and so i hit that wall i was able to get through it i had a very good support system back at home so that worked but there's a lot of people who don't have that. And so when they hit that wall of, oh, now I'm not the the one anymore, what should what what should they do? And um, yeah, what I mean, what, what should they do? In that circumstance, I, it's important for athletes to realize that though you may not be that starting player that you once were, or you feel as if your skill abilities aren't where they were, um, you're still part of the team, you know? and understanding your role as a teammate on that team. So yes, you're not starting, but you can still motivate your teammates on the sidelines. You can still, you know, go to practice early, get some extra reps in, do other things on the sidelines because your coaches see that and notices that. And to them, you know, that's also important. They see you as this leader or because you're putting in all this extra work, okay, you know what, I'm going to give you a chance and let's start you. Um, So I think it's just learning to adapt and adjust and, really just not paying attention to the negatives of that situation of what's happening now because things can always change. So it's just continuing to have that positive mindset, whether that's looking at old film or just talking to yourself, you know, that positive self-talk, whatever it is that works for you to really just believe in your abilities and not let that situation that you're going through right now stop you from being who you are as an athlete. Right. And, um, so, you know, we've all, we've all heard like control the controllables, right? And I think mm-hmm. that's that's I think that's what you're touching on. Um it's I always talk about focus on your strengths and not your weaknesses, right? Yeah. I always focus on like um do do what you can, right? So it's like, you know, I always use weight loss cuz that's sort of the easiest one, but it's like, oh, I want to lose 100 pounds. But you can't lose 100 pounds tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. So, and it's probably not healthy. So, um if you want to lose hundred pounds, you got to lose one pound, you know, whatever the, whatever the measurement is, find the measurement that's a healthy weight loss and do that. And then even boil that down even more to, I'm going to walk to the mailbox and back today. Like just do yeah. little things. And I think, I think the, the mindset problem right now, and we all know this is everyone wants short-term gains, right? Everyone wants to see the, the, the million dollars in their bank tomorrow. They all want to see the weight loss fall off tomorrow. And, you know, my, my question is going to come to when you were in college and you were having these difficulties, what was it, was it the fact that, you know, you hit that wall or was it the fact that, um, 
you you couldn't see the end road or because I know I know when I was in college my junior year I wasn't playing much I didn't play that much mm-hmm. our team underachieved heavily and for me the thing that got me out of it was my dad telling me who's been in the game for 40 years he told me like always look at the end goal like like what is all this for and how do we get to the end goal it, it was never about oh I I don't know if I'm ever going to play again like I you know I feel like a lot of athletes now something bad happens and they, 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 they can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. So what, what were your, you know, and you can go into it, you don't have to go into it. What were your struggles in college and, and, and specifically, um, you know, how did that affect your performance? How did that, how did you get through it? And how did you see, you know, the, um, the light at the end of the tunnel when it was, when it was tough? Yeah, for sure. So <clears throat> from freshman year, I'll say to about maybe, junior year um i was one of the main jumpers on the team so that was already pressure on me um you know my coach's expectations of winning and getting medals and just accolades for the school when i wasn't even used to this environment to begin with because uh, high school like sports is so much different than american sports so i didn't really have that atmosphere to build off of and then with that the hard training and stuff, I had an accumulation of injuries. So something Mm. I also wasn't used to. And just teammates making remarks, like, I don't know, like, if she can jump how she used to, because yes, I was recruited from Canada. So of course, my coaches had a lot of expectations of what I could deliver to the program. And I felt as if I just wasn't delivering what they wanted. And I came so focused on what they wanted, and not what I needed and what I wanted. And it was one meet specifically, like, I did everything well physically that I could, but the results just weren't showing. And that's when I was like, okay, maybe it has to do with the mental aspects. But it wasn't really until that point where I truly thought about it, because if it's not physical, then what is it? You know, it has to be something else. And that's what many athletes fail to realize. Like, yes, you can be doing everything you need to in practice, lifting the weights you need to, everything is going well physically. But if you realize those numbers just aren't adding up or something's missing, it's the mental component. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's huge. That's huge because, and I've been talking about this recently about how when, just like you said, when things go wrong as an athlete, as a young athlete, especially, we are trained to say, work harder, right? Work harder. And that's not the case. You have to separate yourself from the situation objectively look at it and say, what am I doing right? And what am I doing wrong? Right. And so, so I guess sort of segueing into the next thing for you personally, how much of your identity was track and field and how much of your identity was Brittany Gibbs? Like, this is who I am. Wow. Um, Honestly, about, 90% 90% was probably track and field and a good 10% yeah. was Brady Gibbs. I just felt like everything I did, especially in university was track, 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 track. Like I had to, you know, plan my classes around track. I had yeah. to, whatever I did, it was around track because that was the main priority. So whenever I did have that little bit of free time, that's when I could express who Brittany was or do things right. that Brittany enjoyed. Right. Um, and how much, like looking back, because for me, I look back and, you know, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily look back, you know, and reminisce necessarily, but I always look back. Um, for me personally, high school was, you know, and for most of us, high school was probably the best time athletically. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked the hardest in high school. So I always look back to high school and I say, can I replicate that work ethic now in something different? Um, in college, I look back and I say, that was probably the hardest time in my career. How did I get through that? Now, when I'm in, in a situation here, uh, in this phase of my life, when I get into a difficult situation, I look back to, to high school or to college. Mm-hmm. When you look back and you 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 see that your identity was 90% track and field, because I'm, I was the same way. I was a soccer player. When you say Andrew Mullen, you have to say soccer player at the end of it. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's like So it's like, I look back and I say, the reason that I was so down, the reason that my my mindset was so uh, off-centered was because all my identity was in soccer. So when I didn't play, guess what? Andrew was less than. Andrew mm-hmm. wasn't good enough. 
So how, looking back, how, how much did that play into your, your mental, um, your mental struggles? It definitely played a big chunk in it because as you mentioned, right? Like for you, soccer, that was your identity, right? And right. on days that practice went horribly or I had a bad meet, like Brittany was in that mood, like nothing was going great because the one thing that I wanted to focus on just wasn't going good. So everything around me and just whatever, like I didn't necessarily care because it wasn't track related. Right. So it definitely just, um, it was a negative impact on you know, schoolwork or just hanging with peers, just casual conversation because I made track that number one priority. Yeah. And so, so I guess the key word here and my, my big question is, does, does balance, so I, I've been struggling with this myself. Does balance really exist when it comes to, you know, your identity and your profession, whether that be, you know, a salesman Oh, he didn't make a sale today, so now he's he's not worth anything. Or is it a you know, or an athlete? Oh, I didn't score a goal today, so I'm not worth you know the scholarship that I got or whatever. When when you look at those two things, is there such thing as balance? Can you can you be you know happy off the field while also being unhappy on the field? Is that possible? It definitely is possible, but I think it's a trait that not many athletes are able to do. Like. You hear the saying so many times, train, study, eat, sleep, repeat. Sometimes not even the study part, just train, eat, sleep, repeat, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we tend to focus on, of course, the athletics. And it's just important to find that balance because, yes, when your sport doesn't go well, your life is going to go well. And we don't want that, right? We want the two things to be separate. So I think it's really just understanding that and figuring out what works best for you. I think senior year. For me, that's when I was really able to put the two on two different planes, you know? Yeah. Um, yes, I'm a track and field athlete, but that's not who I am. My sport doesn't yeah. define me. And the fact that it took me till senior year to realize that um, because you love your sport, but anything can happen. So let's just say you have a career right. and an injury. Then what? Is your whole life going to end? Right. I, so, I think, I think, I think that's, and, and while we're talking, I'm trying to figure out how do we how do we get freshmen their first day in college? How do we get them to understand that you are not the grade on the piece of paper? You are not whether you play or not. You are not the mistake that you made last week. Like mm -hmm. I'm trying to get because because I know maybe 40 or 50 people have told me, what do you do? And I say, oh, I play soccer. I'm going to be a pro soccer player. And they said, okay, but what happens if you get injured? And I always, always, always told them that's fine. If I get injured, I'll go back to school, whatever. Mm -hmm. But, but the question should not be about, you know, my education or anything like that. But, but the idea that like, I guess the question needs to be different, right? It's not, what do you do? It's not who, it's not what sport do you play? It's who, who, who are you? Who, who is Brittany Gibbs? Who is Andrew Mullen? Like, who are you? What do you guys, what do you enjoy? What do you enjoy other than soccer? Mm -hmm. Because we get into this, we get into this problem. I mean, we all do it. We all do it at college. I remember everyone wearing their, you know, they would wear their letterman jackets. <laughs> letterman jackets. They would be wearing everything. Like everything would be sports. It would be. I'm wearing my softball shirt to class, or I'm wearing my yeah. soccer shirt to class, or whatever. I actually made a point to a lot of my teammates that I'm not wearing my soccer stuff to class because I, I, I don't. First of all, I don't like doing what everyone else does. And also I'm like, you know what? I want to, you know, I'm, I always had that, I always had that idea, but when, when the, that was when it was going well, when it went bad, then I found that my, my identity was actually closer to, was actually tied into soccer. But I always had that idea that I don't want to wear what everyone else wears, first of all. And then second of all, I don't, I'm not playing soccer in class In class. I'm, yeah. sp I'm supposed to be there studying, but doing something. And, uh, but then when, when it got tough, then I realized like, I was like, well, what am I, what am I doing here? Like, what am I doing here? And so, you know, I'm trying to figure out how I tell a freshman today, if, if a freshman walked in, not even Andrew Moulin as a freshman, but some, some kid walks in and saying, yeah, I'm going to be a pro. I'm going to do all this stuff. And I'm just like, I don't want to say, what if, it, what if it doesn't work out? I don't want to say, what if it doesn't work out? I just want to say, you know, like figure out who you are, figure out who you are outside of the game and all this. And it's very tough because you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to save people from that heartache because it, it was yeah. tough for me. 
it was tough for me junior and senior year. It was really tough. And I'm trying to protect them from that without shattering their hopes and dreams. Mm -hmm. But sometimes people need that reality check because they are just so in their head, like, this is what I want and I'm going to get it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, you can set your goals and what you want, but let's be realistic about the situation. Okay, so you want to go pro. When is that going to happen? How are we going to get there? And let's just say hypothetically that doesn't happen. Then what? Do you have another career goal or what do you want to do with school, you know? Um, Just allowing them to see all the other sides besides going pro or whatever that big future is for them. Um, And having that conversation. Right. And And it's, I mean, it's interesting you saying that because I remember people telling me these kind of things. I remember them telling me this and I literally would say to them, like, I can't take away from plan A, worrying about Mm -hmm. plan B. And now I find myself telling kids, like, create your whole life, create a whole life. Don't just create this one area of your life. Because when I came out of soccer last year, I realized I had nothing. When I came out of soccer, I had nothing. I had no, uh, you know, I, I don't believe that, you know, you have to have your degree to be educated, but I had education, but... I had no experience. That's a good, that's a good way of putting it. I had no experience in anything other than soccer. I played soccer for 20 years. I had nothing, no experience other than soccer. And so I want, I want people to understand that there are, you can have other passions. You can look at other things. You can study other things. You don't have to be 1000% into soccer or 1000% into whatever it is. You know, if you're a doctor, you don't have to be a hundred percent. You don't have to. And that's another one. That's crazy because you put Dr. Andrew or Dr. Whatever. Yeah. What if I, what if I want to be a painter? Like, what if I got my doctor and I want to be a painter? Like I just can't because it's, I'm Dr. Andrew. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just, it's one of those things, not finding, not finding your identity with the, within the thing that you do, because when that thing is done okay. yep. or you don't like it anymore, then do you not like yourself? Do you not, you know? Yeah. And, and so, so I'm trying to find a way because I, and I think, I think that's where we come in because We've, we've both been there. You've mm-hmm. been a, a D1 college athlete, right? I've been a, a, a D1 college soccer player. And so I can look at them and say, hey, I, I, I chased the dream. I worked, I worked probably harder than you. And it, it worked for me. However, I achieved my goal. However, after I achieved my goal, now I'm left with nothing. You need to make sure that you're in a position where you can do whatever you want. Just continue and flow through it. Um, so I think that's where we come in. I think, you know, experienced, experienced, um, athletes speaking up about it, because when you hear a teacher say it, I'm like, okay, okay, (laughs) okay, whatever. But when athletes say it, I think it, I think it hits home a little bit closer. Still, there's that naivety about, oh, okay, whatever you say, just because you didn't do it or whatever. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. go ahead. Yeah. have someone, yeah, who's experienced it or who's very similar to you, to you because that's how people relate and right. they can actually kind of see yourself through them, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's like a vicarious experience that we call in psychology, but, oh, like, this is what happened to you? Like, okay, now I'm going to maybe change my perspective or really take into account what you said and see how it can relate to me or what I can do to fix some things around. But it's interesting that you say, like, yeah, once you were done soccer and stuff, like, your identity, because I just feel as an NCAA athlete specifically, you're in school, you know what you're there for. And then once you're done school, that's kind of it. It's just like, what's next? I felt so lost when I came back home after university because I was just so used to the routine, you know, work, training. I don't want to say everything was handed to me, but, you know, within athletics, you have a lot of opportunities available to you. So you don't realize that at the time either. And when I came home, it was just like, what's next? I feel as if I wasn't prepared for that next chapter of my life. Yeah. I mean, that's so true. I mean, um, shifting back real quick, shifting back, Mm -hmm. we talked, you talked about the coaches expected you to perform. Yeah. Right. So there's two, there's two sides of it that I want to talk about and that's taking ownership of your own expectations. So as an athlete, not being too hard on yourself. I, I was like, recently I was, I was talking to someone else and they were talking about how, um, you wouldn't, you wouldn't put that much pressure on your, on your best friend. You wouldn't tell them, Hey, if you don't, if you mess up on this, 
you're gonna lose you're you're gonna lose your scholarship. You wouldn't put that much pressure on them. So why do we put that much pressure on ourselves? And then the second part of that is do coaches put too much expectation on young freshmen who don't know the ropes? You you said it, like I'm in a new environment. I had no idea what to expect, but I still had these expectations as if I should know what to expect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'll start with the coaches one. I do think some coaches do put a lot of pressure on their athletes, yeah. but only because you know they see the um, they see the potential that their athlete can do. And yeah. I think that's what it is, but they just come across it in the wrong manner. Yeah. Um, so for me specifically, like I never weightlifted in high school. So when I came to university, I was already lifting weight. And yes, I was strong, but it was kind of like natural strength to me. So like my right. coach had me lifting heavy weights that I was not used to. And no, no technique. Wanna, yeah, broken technique. I just didn't want to speak up because I'm like, okay, my coach thinks I right. can lift this. Like I'm just going to lift it. And it ended up causing more harm than good because I fractured my patella and like I was out for the season. Right. But then I also mm -hmm. feel as if the coach should be mindful of that. Like you've never lifted in high school. Okay. Let's right. take some baby steps and build up. We're not just going to throw 300 pounds on you like that. Right. Um, and then from the athlete perspective, we it all stems down to just being the best because at the end of the day, that's all you really want to do. So you put all these extra expectations and pressure on you because you just feel as if, if I'm not doing it, someone else must be doing it and then they're gonna be better than me. And being an athlete, of course, you're just competitive. That's just your nature. So oh, I did 10 reps today. No, you know what? I'm feeling tired, but I'm going to do 12. You just always yeah. want to go above and beyond to see yeah. what you're actually capable of and where your limits are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was, I, I've been struggling with this myself. And so I guess I'm trying to get advice on it as well. It's sort of the, the balance between competitiveness and focusing on yourself and what you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. Because <clears throat> if you're, if you're running faster than me, but I, I know that like I've never lifted before. Right. Yeah. So you're running, you're running faster than me. You're, you're probably a sophomore or a junior. You're running faster than me in, in, you know, in soccer terms, you know, I have a, a guy who's an, a year older than me. He's playing, he's playing more than me. Figuring out when do I need to focus on myself and not focus on anyone else, you know, because competitiveness and I've been, I've been talking about this is competitiveness versus hard work. Right. Mm -hmm. Competitiveness wins. Hard work is just sort of, you know, cool. I worked hard, but I lost five zero. I worked hard, but I I I lost. I came in third, yeah. right? So it's like the competitive na the competitive nature pushes you past what you think you can do, but it can also be be tough because if I'm looking over at at John over here and he's killing it, but I'm looking at his day thirty five and I'm looking at my day one, it. it it'll really mess me up mentally. And for me personally, recently, I've really like stopped watching, stopped looking at Instagram as much. I've stopped, I've just been focusing on myself. Mm -hmm. And someone brought up the, the, the example of Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan would not be where he is if he didn't look at, you know, Wilt Chamberlain or whatever and try to beat him or Kobe Bryant trying to beat Michael. Like they would not be where they were, where they are without looking at Michael's day 35 or day whatever. Yeah. So it's it's finding that balance. Yeah. What do you think about it's that? Interesting that you said like you may be fast or run faster than me, but like I don't weight lift or you know, because right. um, we are so fixated on paying attention to others, but it's those underlining variables that we don't pay attention to. Like right. yes, this athlete is older than me, so of course they have more experience than me. Um, I will assume like clearly they must be stronger than me. Um, so those variables i think once athletes can realize that like i'm comparing myself to a person who ideally isn't in the same like caliber as me if that makes sense right yeah um, yeah but we don't know that we just think automatically oh they're better than me okay yeah. well they're better than you because they're older than you they're better than you because they had more experience in the gym all those different things um are a factor and sometimes it does work out for others right so some people do like to look at others as motivation and there's nothing wrong with that but i think when you find yourself so devoted at looking at others that's when it becomes a problem because now you're just so focused on doing what they're doing or yeah. 
working your way towards that and you're just wasting time on improving yourself. Right. And I think, you know, the, the, the old metaphor about, um, don't, you can't drive staring at the, in the rear view mirror. You can't drive mm -hmm. looking to the side. Like if I look over to the side and, and I'm driving, I'm going to crash. Yeah. So I think, I think it's, I think it's that, but I think that's, yeah, it's spot on. Like why, why, why are they better than you? And figuring out once you figure out why, then you get your own plan. Like, okay, now they're better than me because they wait. They've they, they've been weightlifting for for the last two years. So guess what I need to do? Probably need to weightlift a little bit more. Exactly. Right. And, and, no and so feel like the work. That's the funny part. Like, you look at them on the field and they're better than you. But when you're in the weight room, you want to skip reps. When you're doing this, you want to skip that. You know, you got to put yeah. in that extra work that sometimes you dread because that can get you to that potential. I, I mean, I've been really struggling with the idea of like talent and skill because a lot of people see skill and they they uh, they think it's talent or they, they look at it as like natural ability, but mm -hmm. they don't realize that, you know, behind the scenes, they're not skipping reps. They're putting in the work yeah. and people think, and you know, it's just an, the, the normal thing. Like, like people just think there's secret sauce to it and there's not, there's no secret sauce. You just got to work hard. And, and, uh, it's that consistent work ethic, you know, and I was lucky enough in high school to have that. So I'm going into college. I never, I never struggled with my work ethic, which is also why I was struggling in junior and senior year, because I was like, well, my work ethic is here. So, and that was what we were talking about at the beginning about if you're putting in the work and you know, you're putting in the work, you're doing the right things, mm -hmm. but it's not working out. There has to be something mental. Yes. Has to be. Um, so, um, I want to, I want to talk about something practical too, because you were talking about, you know, your injuries in college and stuff like that. <laughs> Mentally, how do you get through an injury? You know, whether that's in team sport or whether that's an in individual sport, how do you get through injuries mentally? This varies for a lot of people, but something that is very common that, you probably won't even think about is just a simple task of goal setting. So mm. typically like if you're injured as an athlete, of course you go see your trainers, um, whatever that case may be, but it's just creating small goals for yourself to help you recover yeah. because then that's something that you can look forward to. So you're not, what should I say? You're not um, being down about the situation. So yeah. I sprained my ankle or whatever the case may be. So I go to the trainers on the first day and now we're going to create a plan. So I'm going to come in to get treatment or do this every day. Um, hopefully by this pinpoint, I should be feeling this. Um, and having those small goals, it's kind of like you're still involved with your sport, like you're at practice because you're looking forward to something. Yeah. Those small little victories of your training. Um, and another thing is um, healing imagery. So if you don't already know what imagery is, right, but that's something that most athletes utilize, just imagining themselves either recreating um, or creating something in their mind to help them prepare yeah. for a game of practice. And with healing imagery, it's the same thing, but you're just imagining yourself getting better through treatment. So let's just yeah. say you're getting your ankle looked on, you're getting some grass you know, or some type of yeah. uh, technique going on there. You're just each stroke, whatever they're doing, you're just imagining yourself getting better with each um type of uh, what's the word i'm looking for treatment there we go yeah 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 i mean so there's there's two sides of that i feel is like the the sad part where it's like oh i'm you know i don't see any any uh progress or whatever so the goal setting would be perfect for that like i need to get to this next goal i need to walk next week like by next week i want to be walking by myself with no crutches and it's it's that but it's also the idea i hate hearing athletes saying that they're going to cut the recovery time short or i'm going to be back in 5 months instead of 6 yeah. and and it's it it for me it's a lack of perspective it's a lack of understanding that playing the long game you're playing a very short game and i i mean i can't can't tell you the number of times i heard it in college because the college season is so short Mm -hmm. Right. And I remember I so I broke my arm in my senior year. I broke my arm and basically came back, not that game, but the next game and played with my broken arm. Luckily, I didn't get luckily. There's no injuries, whatever. After that. And, and luckily it was my arm. But I've heard many people and it was my senior year, too. So 
but I've heard many people with ankle injuries or knee injuries or whatever, ACL especially, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, they say I'm going to be out for nine months. I'm going to get back in seven or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, so that part, and then also talk to me about the positivity aspect versus the negativity when you're injured and how important that is. Yeah. So <clears throat> I will, like, I'll just begin by saying like, whatever your specific treatment time is, definitely utilize that time and sometimes that's just an estimate so it could be shorter it could be longer right but you definitely don't want to cheat away because in the end it's actually just going to hurt you more you know you probably have a reoccurring injury and then you're just going to be sitting out even longer so right. it will suck but definitely you have to work on that mindset you know focus on this is how long it may take me and this is what i'm going to do to get better to where i even was before yeah. um the negative side of injuries, like, it's hard, you know? Sometimes people shut themselves out, they go into a dark hole, and right. it kind of goes back into the identity play, right? Because yeah. sport is all you know, this is all you know, so now I can't even do what I love. Like, okay, I don't even want to play sports anymore. Or you have all right. these thoughts, like, am I even going to be as good as I was before? Um, but then the positives of it is with these injuries, like, it's a great time for you to really work on those weaknesses that you have. Um, for me, like when I was out, of course it sucked and I just wanted to compete, but I was able to strengthen other parts of my body that I was lacking that will help me once I'm back um, to perform certain skills. So once you're able to see that an injury, it's not the end of the world. Sometimes it could actually be a blessing, right? It really right. is just how you view it, but just accepting and adapting to the environment and if sometimes it doesn't work, that's why you have sports psychologists. That's why you have mental performance yeah. consultants, people that can help you to get through that and just change your mindset that you have. And like, you're just so fixated on this injury is horrible um, and continuing to work on the things that you can do. It's so it's so interesting as well, because when you when you talk about when you talk about injuries, right, it's very I, I, I sense that. For, and for me as well, my initial reaction is like, all right, let's close, let's get closed in. Let's focus on our, our getting back from injury. I don't want to hear about, you know, how, how good of a practice this guy had or anything like that. You get really closed in, you get really closed down mm-hmm. and you almost only have a relationship with your physio. Right. Yeah. And so, so what I'm hearing you saying, and what I normally say is when you feel like closing down like that, you need to open up even more. You need to be that good teammate on the sideline who's cheering their teammates on, even when yeah. you know they're not playing, um, cheering on that person in your position and just seeing the bigger picture, right? Like mm-hmm. if the team does well, you automatically do well. Um, <clears throat> if the person in your position who's taking your position, if he does well or she does well, then guess what? It's gonna push you when you get back, right? And it's seeing that aspect of it, the, the, the long-term aspect of it, as opposed to, I just need to get back in, you know, in X amount of time, right? It's, and it, that's so close-minded. It's very close, like what we talked about, the fixed versus growth mindset. Yeah. It's very close-minded and saying, only worrying about me, only worrying about me. And when you do open up, now you have a, a, a bigger support system. You have, like you said, talking to sports psychologists or, um, or, mental performance consultants, like, like talking to those people about your problems and opening up. I want to, I actually, go ahead. No, it's okay. (laughs) I, I I actually want to, want to talk to you about sort of like the depression in in sports, because I saw, I went through a, a small, a small piece of it. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm normally a very positive individual. And so when I wasn't playing, because my identity was attached to soccer, I wasn't playing, so I wasn't good enough. I wasn't, uh, um, I wasn't the player that I thought I was, and it, it affected me heavily off the field. Every single day, it affected me. I, I know that I was only a small fraction of, you know, depressed, but I know a lot of people who it 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 just consumes them completely. Their grades drop. They're, they, they just lose control, right? Their, their grades drop. They, you know, get into alcohol and drugs. They, they, you know, get in trouble with the team. They do all these different things just because they didn't play or just because they got injured or so first of all, why does that happen? 
it, could it be because their their um, identities uh, attached to the sport, or um, or is it something else? And then how do they deal with that? How do you deal with you know depression brought on about sports specifically? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can be because of like their loss of identity, but there can also be something that's happening in their life that is affecting like I guess that overall identity or whatever the case may be. Um, but I would like to say like your coaches and trainers because and teammates like you're with them basically every day like they should notice these small changes but some people are just really well at hiding things you know yeah. they'll smile in your face but the minute they go back to their room that's when they're in this depressed state sure. um but as a teammate as a coach like whoever you are within the athletic um realm like at school or whatever it is important for you to pay attention to certain signs if you do see them and to never hesitate yeah. to speak on it because of course you would rather be proactive, right? Than wait in yeah. case anything were to happen. But for athletes, um, when they find themselves in that situation, it definitely is hard for them to grasp at first because they're so used to being strong, right? And I have yeah. to show strength with everything I do. And now I'm weak, like this doesn't even make sense. Um, are athletes right. even weak? Like, you know, so that sense of denial um, is definitely what they go through at first. And yeah. They would probably continue to like go on as if things are fine when it's not. And then that will show in their performance. And the more they perform and it's not going how they want to, that's when they really start to think like, okay, there actually may be something wrong. And that's when hopefully, you know, they go to find someone to seek help or whatever the case may be to help them with that situation that they're dealing with. But yeah. it it definitely is just different with everybody because as I mentioned, right, with SAUE, we already knew the resources that were available for us, not so much yeah. just sports psychology, but even just counseling services at school. So yeah, we had that and we were never ashamed of going through that. But there can be some athletes where it's not even discussed. So that's why they feel super alone and just tend to themselves and it just makes it worse. I think um, two things. I think number one, I think coaches need to take a, a small, a small res- a piece of responsibility about that and say, you know, I need to have a real relationship with all my players, with all my athletes, even, and I know you guys had a lot of people in your, in your, um, in your team, yeah. mm-hmm. in your team. And it's hard for a coach like that to go to each and every one of them and have a relationship. However, even if it's a small group, like two guys, two girls, or, you know, whatever, small group, there has to be, you know, and this is my next point is, I was listening to a podcast recently about from some NFL players, and they said that they would always have check-ins where I was, they yeah, would literally I was just, just going to say that, mm-hmm. right? They would literally just come in and be like, "Hey, how are you, how are you doing?" Like, not forget about sports. How are you doing? How's your wife? How's your how's your you know how's your kid in 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 college? You know how's how's your girlfriend doing? You know, are you guys doing okay? How's you know how's the financial situation as a coach? Being like, how how are you you know how are you financially? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's a way of helping. That's a way of being like, okay, um, it's a way of getting a pulse on it, right? Getting a pulse because as a coach, if you're just going to training every single day, practice every single day, and and being hard on them, which is fine. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mad at coaches who are hard on their players. You should, but if you're just if you if all they are seeing is you being hard on them or you being, you know, uh, and there were some there were some coaches at SAUE who were you definitely did not feel like you could come talk to them at any time. Right. Mm -hmm. And you have to, and I think that that's definitely an old school way of doing it. Like just suck it up kind of thing. I think now you have to have that hybrid version of where, yes, you are when you're, when you cross the white line or if you get on the track, it's work time. Like we got to work and I'm not going to be the the type of person who's going to let you off the hook. You got to, you got to bring it every single day. You got to put in the work every single day you got to get better every single day however <clears throat> if there's something going off on the uh, off of the field and you feel like you can't talk to anyone you can talk to me you can go to this resource you can go to this resource you can go to this resource yeah and exactly. it's, and and in, and in putting the responsibility on the player and saying this is your responsibility because right now it's like it's an option and i yeah. and that's 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 okay but it's your responsibility to take care of your mental health it's it's your just like it's your responsibility to show up to workouts just like it's your responsibility to show up to training, it's your responsibility because you're, you know, in, in a lot of cases, your mom sacrificed, your dad sacrificed. 
as a coach, I'm saying I, I'm sacrificing every single day to be here mm-hmm. from my family, all this, stif- all this stuff. So all you can do, the, the least you can do as an athlete is take responsibility for your mental health, your physical health, you know, your, yeah, no, your academic, your, your academics, yeah. but, but who am I to say about, talk about that? <laughs> no, but um, that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Definitely. Like take responsibility for yourself. At the end of the day, you know yourself better than anyone. So if yeah. you are feeling a type of way or you notice something's just a little off, hopefully you have that relationship with your coach or there's someone at least on campus that you can talk to. Like for me, yeah. that was my academic advisor. I yeah. was able to confide in her a lot and I was grateful that I had that because right. I felt as if I couldn't talk about that with my coach. Um, right. So at least there was someone and if I did need that help, you know, they would approach the situation how they need to. If they needed to talk to an AD or someone in support services, um, they knew what to do to help me. So yeah, if you are struggling, you know, and you feel like you can't confide in your coach, then find someone else within the athletic that you know can help. Yeah. I think it's, I think we really need to put the, um, the pressure on the, on the athletes and say, you know what, if you're not feeling right in any way, shape or form, or if something's going well, right? Because for me, there were times when, well, I've always had a great support, support system, but when things go well for people, sometimes they, they don't want to, they don't want to seem cocky or they don't want to seem arrogant or whatever. Like find someone you can tell that to, right? Whether it's your mom, your dad, your counselor, whatever. But, but more importantly, if you are feeling down, depressed, you know, hatred towards your coach, I went through that phase where I was, I hated my coach for a second. Now I absolutely mm-hmm. love, love him and thank him every single day for, for not playing me. Cause it helped me so much. Um, but at the time I was like, oh, I hate, I hate this. I hate my coach. And so I, yeah. I would always be able to go to my dad about it. Now, not everyone has that, that luxury. So you have, so I think if you don't find someone to talk to, if you don't find someone to, to rant and rave to, or talk to, talk, talk about your problems, then it's irresponsible on your part. We went to a school of 18,000 people. You're telling me an 18,000 people plus teachers, plus counselors, plus coaches, there's no one to talk to. That's irresponsible. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a little bit lazy on your part. Just just yeah. assuming no one cares about me. I think that's lazy. And I think we need to put the responsibility on the players to take care of themselves. You take care of your physical, you take care of your, your nutrition, you take care of your grades and your academics, most of us, but but you don't but you don't take care of your mental health. It doesn't make sense to me. And I think we need to start not just not just making it acceptable, but making it a responsibility. Yes definitely a responsibility and i mean things are slowly like starting to get better but it definitely still is a conversation that needs to be talked out frequently um but at least more athletes are being receptive of the idea of seeking help and just understanding what mental health really is you know and how it can affect performance or anything like that um so I want to i want to shift to probably the the number one question you get i want to answer this and i want to post it about 90 times when people ask me (laughs) what is confidence and how do I get confidence okay well my definition of confidence um well it's a skill right that I believe every athlete needs to be successful in their sport and it's just a feeling of assurance so you rarely second guess yourself you know what you're capable of and your abilities um at completing that task that you're doing you know or that given skill yeah and for athletes on how they can become more confident. Um, I think the first thing is really just, okay, well, if an athlete is lacking confidence, I think one thing that kind of goes over people people's head that's important is just recognizing it and understanding it. Like, okay, am I actually lacking confidence or was it just this game, something just felt off? Or like, is this something that I'm feeling all the time at practice or at a game, you know? And then from there, that's when you can really take the steps to improve that confidence that you have. Um, We talked about it earlier, right? But focusing on people, that's something that is definitely not going to help you with your confidence because you're just going to become intimidated. So to the best of your abilities, just focusing on yourself, that's something so small. If you do find yourself always looking at people that can internally just change your confidence, your shift, um, because you know what you're capable of. And then... You know, it's so cliche, but practice, honestly, 
in order to become more confident in your sport and your abilities, you have to get those reps and you have to get those touches in and let it be clockwork. Like it's literally muscle memory. You don't even have to think about what you're doing because you're so confident in your abilities that you know you can do this. Yeah. I, my, my mindset shifted completely because junior year, I didn't play nearly as much as I played the last two years. And when I did play, I was very, I wasn't as confident as I should have been because I'm like, oh, if I mess up, I'm coming off. So I wasn't as confident as I should have been. The shift happened when I realized that tomorrow I'm going to wake up and the sun will be up. It's not the end of the world that I mm -hmm. messed up yesterday or that I got taken out. It's not the end of the world. So my shift came when I, I was like, you know what, when, when the whistle blows or when I'm on, when I, when I cross the white line, that was my big thing. When I cross the white line, it's all out war. I'm going to give everything I have, all the, the normal stuff, the normal cliches, right? I'm going to get my heart and soul to this. This is going to be my life, whatever. When I cross over that line, that's what it is. When I yeah. cross over the line coming back, the only time I'm going to look at that game is to analyze it. Otherwise, I'm not emotionally attached to that game. We lost. We lost. Okay. Right? Like, mm -hmm. honestly, uh, the, and there's two things to that. Number one, I realized that, again, the sun's going to come up tomorrow. The world's going to spin. We're going to, you know, tomorrow is going to be, you know, today's 24th. Tomorrow's going to be the 25th. I can guarantee all those things. Right? Like, the, if, I, if I don't win this game, this is not like the gladiator days. You lose and you die. Right? <laughs> yeah, this this is... This is, we lose, tomorrow's going to come and I'll have another opportunity to, to make it better. But when I'm on, when I'm on that field, I'm given everything like there's no tomorrow. Right. And, and, and that comes with what we talked about at the beginning. And if, you know, if anyone's watching only this part, you need to watch the whole thing because it all, it all ties together. It all ties together. But the idea that this is not who I am, this is just something I do. Right. I don't think a, I don't think a salesman goes to his job and then comes home and and tries to sell to his wife or tries to sell something to his kids or whatever. No. When he leaves the office, he's uh, he's a dad. He's a husband. He's a, a man like same with me. If I'm playing, if I, it's a job to me, it's a it's a job that I'm passionate about. It's a job that I love, but it's a job. I go out there and I try to get a result every single day, whether that's in practice. And that's a different type of result, whatever result I, I give it. But I go and I try to give it a result. I give it 110%. But when I walk off, now I'm Andrew Moulin. Now I have other things I need to do. Exactly. Right? And and it goes back to that that identity. My identity is not tied to one thing. My identity is tied to a lot of different things. Right? And so one bad two-hour training session is not going to ruin my 24 hours. The other 22 hours I have, I'm going to make sure they're good. And that so, doesn't define you either, right? Everyone has yeah. bad days, so it's just how you adjust and adapt to that. Okay, so it's a bad practice. Well, this is what I need to work on, so let's have a good practice next time. Instead 100%. of being so set on that bad day, so now maybe you'll have consecutive bad days. Don't don't compound losses. Don't compound yeah. like don't just be. You can always trace it back to that first loss. Like oh, I lost, and now you. We've all seen it with teams and stuff like that. Like you lose one. And you can tell everyone's down. Okay, now they lose the next one, and then they lose the next one, and they're like, "Oh, we've lost five in a row, or whatever." But, but no, you only you lost one, and you let it compound. Mm -hmm. And so that that's exactly what you're saying. And then um, we're coming to the end here, but I have a uh, what percentage? You don't even have to give a percentage, but what what percentage or what part of athletics is is mental? Is psychological? A good chunk of it, majority, like right. at least 80 to 90% of athletics right. is all mental. Yep. And it's unfortunate that some people still don't realize that. Um, I guess I could say, you know, like some misconceptions of mental health right now, like um, coaches just don't believe that we can change the mental abilities of athletes. And it's okay for them to feel that way, but working with people just Honestly, athletes, sometimes they just need someone to have a conversation with. That's it. Yep. And for them, just allowing them to dig deep into, like, what they actually feel when they're playing or whatever the case may be is something that is beneficial in itself for them. Um, yeah. I, we're here to help athletes at the end of the day. 
and with their mental abilities, whether that's teaching them different techniques or skills. Um, but just understanding that mental aspect of sport performance allows athletes to achieve results far beyond what they ever thought they were capable of. Yeah. And it's a good thing that athletes recognize that, but I do think some coaches still need to understand that part of the equation. Yeah. I think, I think we need to, I think we need to define, I think we as a culture, whether it's athletic culture or, you know, uh, in the job world, in the business world, whatever, we need to identify early on what percentage of responsibility should be the player. What, what, what percentage of responsibility should be the coach? If a player, mm-hmm. and we all know players and athletes who are so talented, but they don't make it. And then we also yeah. know the, the athletes who are so bad, but somehow they make it. Why? Because one believed they could and one believed they couldn't, right? And so so it's it's what responsibility does the coach have in, and we talked about it before, about what, what responsibility does the coach have to make sure that the athlete is mentally ready to go, mm-hmm. right? And then what percentage of responsibility should be on the player to be mentally ready to go? Because we're talking about, we're specifically talking about college and we're talking about kids who come in at 17, 18, right? They do not, they do not necessarily, they do not necessarily have the best foundation mentally. They do not have necessarily have the best foundation psychologically and they all come from different places, yeah. right? So it's like, it's like figuring out as a coach and you said it perfectly. Sometimes they just need to talk. Sometimes they just need to talk. You don't need to give them three, three practical tips to do. No, they just want to exactly. tell you about, they just want to tell you about something they did good, something they did bad. And I look back and I, we're very lucky to have SIUE because they had those things. We had people we could talk to and we had, you know, a good, um, a good, you know, psychological space to talk. Like, yeah, you know, I like, like we, yeah. we always talk to our, um, our uh, um, a, um, academic advisor. We always talk to her. Right. And we always had just good people around us, which was great. But and a lot of people who listen to this are not in the US. So it's like, you need to find someone. I don't care who it is. You know, it, it says right there, we're sponsored by Footy Fam. But, but it, it, the, 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 the reason that we made Footy Fam is because you need to have someone you can talk to, share your wins, share your losses, and just be able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. It helps. It helps to have people who know what you're going through. However, you just need someone, you know? And, um, so yeah, uh, Brett, I appreciate you coming on. Is there any parting words you want to talk, tell uh, the athletes? Um, I think I just want to reiterate what you said, right? Just really understanding the importance of your own mental well-being and taking the courage to talk to someone if that's what you truly need to do. Um, right. It can be anyone that you trust. Sometimes it's just a simple conversation that you really just need to get everything off your chest, but don't hesitate to have those conversations because when you continue to bottle things up, that's just when the pressure becomes more overwhelming and you find yourself in a situation that you probably could have avoided to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's about having that long game in mind. It's not just about, Oh, I don't want my friends to think I'm, you know, weak because I'm going to a counselor or my coach won't play me. This is a bad one, but my coach won't play me if he knows that I'm not mentally stable. So I can't go Mm -hmm. to the counselor. Or something like that. And my 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 parting words are for a player, take responsibility for your for your mental health first and foremost. It, forget about playing. Okay. Forget about playing. You need to make sure that you're mentally in a good space to where you can just enjoy life, period. Mm-hmm. Second, coaches make it okay for players to get help mentally. Whether that's you can come and talk to me anytime. You know, with my kids here, you know, kids and parents here, I say I have an open door policy. Come with, come to me respectfully and I'm happy to talk to you. But um, but having that open door policy as a coach, not not just not don't let the players just see you on the field or just see you on the track, but also check on them. You know, whether that's text, whether that's, you know, for us, we, we saw we always saw them in, in the uh, in the muck or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we would just talk to him just normal about life and stuff like that. And that's great. As, as coaches, you need to take some percentage of the responsibility and say, I need to make sure that these young kids, they're not, they're not men or women. They're not grown up yet. 18, 17, 18, 19. They don't know mentally. They're not in a great place necessarily. They're not, I mean, they're young. 
So it's your responsibility. There's a percentage of the responsibility on the coach to make sure that they feel safe to say whatever they want to say to whoever they want to say it, right? To someone they feel comfortable with. Um, and that's important as, as human beings, not just athletes. So, um, Brett, I really appreciate you coming on, uh, again. Thank you so much. Uh, enjoy, enjoy our, our talks on the psychological aspects of the game. We both, we both do that. We both do it, but you have a degree in it. So, uh, <laughs> but I appreciate it, Brett. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you for having me. This is great. Yeah. See you soon. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. Thank you so much. You made it to the end. If you enjoyed and took any value from this podcast, please, if you wouldn't mind right now, go subscribe and leave a review and share this with one teammate. Also, if you are interested in working with me one-on-one, DM me on Instagram, the word podcast, and you will receive my discounted rate. My main reason for charging any money for my coaching calls is not to get rich or be the bad guy. It is simply to make sure that you are truly willing to work. It's an investment on your part and one I most certainly do not take lightly. I want to make sure you are really up for the challenge. If you are not familiar with any of my services but are curious, go DM me any questions on Instagram and I'll be happy to answer them for you. Again, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Until next time, I'm Andrew Mullen, video analysis expert helping you take your game to the next level and unlocking the true power of your mind through self-assessment and accountability. Have an amazing week and let's go kill it.